Good day. This is Michael Muth of Going Global International Interviews. Today we're speaking with John Camperschroer, the Director of Marketing at Opportunity International. Learn more about them at opportunity.org. Uh, we're speaking with John today in part two of a two-part interview on how they use partnerships to enhance their microfinancing activities in the developing world. You'll find edited transcripts of this interview at intlalliances.com and at midwestbusiness.com. Okay, good. Maybe we can come back to it later. That's another thing to come up as well. Um, it sounds like partners are very important to your organization as well. So how do you find, qualify, and work with them? I mean, you mentioned, I believe, they're NGOs, right? And we, we've established those over time. You know, we will be invited in or we'll see a need and so we'll do our due diligence and our feasibility to make sure that it's, uh, it meets all the criteria for us to be able to go in and do our work, that there's not interference, that it's not already overserved, that there is a large population of poor entrepreneurs that need to be served, um, to find the right leadership as well, that's very important so that we're not sold up the river. Mm -hmm. I mean, you mentioned that you're invited in. Who would invite you in, per se? All kinds of people. Ghana, mm -hmm. for example. Quavo um, Nadarko ran for president. He's Mr. Chicken. He, we don't get any email messages from him. I don't think so. No, no. That's someone in Nigeria. That's someone in Nigeria. Ah, Nigeria. 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 He then got wind of what we do and, and just sought it out and got Larry Reed, our network CEO, to visit with him and, and then and then it was really Quadena, who was a leader in his own right in Ghana, who then assembled a board of directors and started this organization back in nineteen ninety four. So that's just so I mean Quadena you said he's an entrepreneur, was he also a politician or simply he, well he was a businessman who actually then decided to run for president unsuccessfully. But uh, an entrepreneur because he started this chicken business from really nothing, from an initial loan when he bought in chickens in the chicken. Okay, Ghana's Purdue? He is. He really is. He is, mm -hmm. he is Ghana's Frank Purdue. Wow. That's okay. Um, so, it, so it all depends. In Nigeria, we're looking at that country, for example. We have a relationship with a man there who was with Arthur Anderson back in the 70s. And never left. He's retired, but he is, he knows everyone, uh, in government, in, 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 in corporate world. And mm -hmm. so he has helped us and scheduled meetings with people that we need to know that are outstanding in a country that's fraught with corruption. Mm -hmm. So that we're, we're, again, so that we're, we're not spinning our wheels. So in those cases, though, I mean, do you have, you know, a target list that you go after, or, or simply by way of reputation and word of mouth, a little do little the right people come to you? A little of both. We do have our eye on certain countries. We're just now getting into Mexico and China. Those are our most recent uh, pilot projects. Mm -hmm. We really want to be in the countries where the poor are the greatest. Mm -hmm. where the poor are underserved with the services that we can provide, mm -hmm. where we can come in again without having all kinds of government interference or uh, you know, taxing or whatever to keep us from what we, we do best. Mm -hmm. um, 
And I mean, how like you look at it like a business? We really do. We really mm-hmm. do. And we've had failures. I mean, we've did the clothes shop in, in South Africa, in Guatemala, Jamaica, El Salvador, Pakistan. In those, those countries, we, we gave it uh, our best effort, but for whatever reason, in all different reasons, we just decided that it wasn't best for us to continue there. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Okay. Um, and so it also sounds like you work with local partners in different ways in different countries. I mean, we've the range there. Again, though, we, we've established those local partners because of the relationships that we've developed over time in those countries. Mm-hmm. And so but do you work with the partners the same way in most countries? Yes. Yeah, we have a, we have, it, it's a, a relationship that they are a part of the network just as we, as a support partner, mm-hmm. along with UK, Canada, Australia, and Germany, are mm-hmm. part of the network as well. So what characterizes the relationship between you and these network partners? In other words, it sounds like you've got a patient fee. That's right. Um, what do you pay for? What do you get? They, they pay for the services, the technical services. When we do, when it comes to, to training and developing people and the programs, getting it up off the ground, I mean, that's, those are over, you know, those only have costs associated with them. Mm-hmm. And... They earn the interest on the loans that you work together to implement? We, once we hand the money off to the implementing partner organizations, mm-hmm. that is out of our hands and it's in their care. And mm-hmm. so they then on loan that to the poor entrepreneur mm-hmm. who has an interest fee mm-hmm. associated with it. It pays back the principal and the required you know, interest on that. Mm-hmm. Those interest charges offset the operating expenses of that implementing partner organization. They have nothing to do with the support partner that initially supplied the money to that implementing partner organization. Does that answer your question? Kind of. I mean, I'm not sure if it's clear with me. So, in other words, um, I'm hearing that the partners need to invest a certain amount of money up front to be able to work with you folks. But to be a part of the network organization. It's just an annual membership fee. Mm-hmm. Okay. And there are certain, there are services, membership services. Mm-hmm. Okay. And to earn that money back that they pay you, do they get the interest or do you get the interest? No, they get the interest. The interest stays within the implementing partner organization. They receive the services that we're able to provide for them, okay. But when it comes, but but the interest on the fees and the interest on the loans that they've loaned out stay within the implementing partner organization. They do not come back to us. Okay. We cover our costs again. That 18 cents of that dollar, only 82 percent goes to that partner. Mm-hmm. Okay. We retain 18 percent here for general administration. So in a sense, you're not even you know, a, a direct bank to each of these trust banks in each country. That's correct. You're more like a correspondent bank or an intermediate bank between the United States local partner in Uganda, Uganda, or wherever. That's right. And the people who are receiving the mm-hmm. That's correct. We are the supplier. We are the support partner. We supply the money to the 42 implementing partner organizations, which are uh, autonomous organizations and indigenous to that particular country. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned there are 42. Is that 42 in 42 different countries or 47 countries? 
Okay. So we have certain countries that have multiple partners. Okay. I think you for being said. No, that's okay. Um, and I, I just think it's important for all these things. Oh, you could. Okay. 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 You know, entrepreneurs are always interested in the money trail. Good. And so, you know, I think it's important to be clear. So the green is where the money comes from. The orange is where the work gets done. So support partners, mm-hmm. implementing partners, and our two and our new star last year was these two countries. Mm-hmm. And our newest is going to be uh, up and running later this year, early next year, all the early next year. Now mm-hmm. I mean, we have some people in place there, so we're just not administering well. Okay. Um, general question: Which countries have been most successful, and why? We've been very successful in the Philippines. Mm-hmm. Um, nearly 60% of our borrowers are in the Philippines alone. Reason for that, we've been there for 25 out of our 33 years. Mm-hmm. We've got nine partners, and so you've got nine times uh, the growth potential. And the government has been very supportive. Mm-hmm. They've been actually loaning money to these nine partners mm-hmm. for years. But it almost sounds like those partners might compete with one another. Are they geographically exclusive? They or are. There, there's very uh, crossover all over that. Mm-hmm. Okay. There are plenty of people in the Philippines looking for loans. But the, it's a healthy competition. There's a couple of our partners who are at about 100,000 clients each. And, you know, they like to be on the, the report. Every oh, quarter is the oh, sure. number one partner in the network. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, you know, they're great, great leadership, too. Great leadership. Great boards and leadership in the Philippines. And a very entrepreneurial people. Sure. I mean, are there countries on each continent? For example, one in Latin America, Latin America, South America, mm-hmm. one in Africa. Mm-hmm. It's a leader and success story. Yeah. I would say that uh, in Nicaragua, Nicaragua is probably a star mm-hmm. in Latin America. Ghana is definitely a star in Africa. And then why are those in Russia and Eastern Europe? Mm-hmm. Um, I think for some of the same reasons, I think that uh, leadership in, in, in Ghana, in Nicaragua, and in, in Russia, this is with the Philippines, uh, they also have been funding focuses for us as well as a network. Mm-hmm. They've, been, uh, they've been good partners. They, we see that money goes in, that it's uh, effectively and efficiently used, and so our donors see that, so they want again to keep backing one horse. So that's why mm-hmm. we and so and then also inside trips to those countries, people want to take go and experience it. They see it, they get to talk to the poor clients, see their circumstances, their business, and their family, and they want to continue to fund it. Their heart is there now. Mm-hmm. Great. I have to ask in someplace like Nicaragua and Russia, I mean Nicaragua, any problems with post Noriega things, or is that so far? Yeah, no, it's no it's no it's yeah, I mean, you're in Russia. Things are a lot of corruption in those countries. Right. Issues for you? Yeah, well, it hasn't been. You know, we, we, again, I think there's always going to be some level of corruption in countries like that, but we seem to avoid it. You know, we're, we're working at the grassroots level. We're not coming in from the top down, but from the bottom up. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times you can avoid the corruption when you go about it that way. I mean, I think there's probably also a size variable. In other words, you know, until you reach a certain mass that they need to be concerned with you, you can fly into the radar. Yeah, I think you're probably right. Um, but at some point, they're going to help. Well, exactly. It's just when you get to that point, 
it might have to be a concern for you. But and also now, as we do become more commercial institutions that pay no longer bank to the store, we are registered with the central bank. And so there's a lot of, mm -hmm. of uh, requirements that go along with that. Sure. Okay. But again, when you're working with the central bank, it's probably one of the better government agencies to work with. One would hope. Yeah, I would hope so. Um, how about your biggest obstacles to overcome? And how would you overcome them? Yeah, I mentioned the, the group lending. That was, we really, again, in the late 80s, early 90s, felt like we weren't really reaching the course of the entrepreneurial before reaching women. And so the group lending was really, that was the, um, the paradigm shift. And we really moved from men and individual thousands of dollar loans down to $100 loans in women in group lending. Mm -hmm. And a repayment rate that actually skyrocketed as well. Mm -hmm. Because of the accountability that was built into that weekly meeting and the co-guarantee. And I think that was, that was one of our big obstacles and I think we, we got around that and we realized that this is really where things were at. So, mm -hmm. And will continue to be as we grow. Interesting. Hustle here. Okay. Um, what percentage of your donations come from outside of the United States? 40%. 60 40. Mm -hmm. Any idea specifically where they come from? And, and is this for the network or Opportunity International here in the United States? OIUS is about 60%, and then the other four support partners is approximately 40%. Uh -huh. And of okay. their 40%, it's probably <clears throat> more like a. Um, a 60-40 or even a 65-35 government to private, with more government funding from those support partners versus us, where we tend to be a little more 60-40 private to government in the way we Gotcha. Okay. Technology business opportunities and countries where we operate, India software, Philippines, just ships. Okay. Now, getting into some of the, I mean, I, in case you couldn't tell, I just took a look in the countries where you operate mm -hmm. and some of the numbers there. How is it that the Philippines, well, we've already talked about the Philippines mm -hmm. a little bit. Um, I don't know if we, is there anything else? No, I think we answered that. I put in there a lot because I think that did probably answer what we just talked about. Okay. Montenegro seemed to be a little bit axiomatic. In other words, they get 80% of the money that Russia gets, but they only have half the number of clients. How right. why is that? The loan sizes are that much smaller in Russia. Mm -hmm. Montenegro makes a few large loans mm -hmm. in its larger business segment, and Russia doesn't finance those large loans like Montenegro does. Mm -hmm. Russia's, Russia's business is a fair supporting with loans tend to be smaller businesses. Mm -hmm. Okay. Where Montenegro tend to be less businesses but larger loans. Mm -hmm. So that's why your question is why does Montenegro get eighty percent of the money Russia gets but with less than half of the number of mm -hmm. loans? Yeah. They're bigger loans. Mm -hmm. They're larger loans. But I mean does that also mean that there are bigger businesses in Montenegro than Russia? I find that hard to believe. No, probably not. Um, but that's just that's the philosophy of the Russian partner. 
versus the philosophy of the Montenegrin continent. Okay. Meaning Again, they're all autonomous. These are, mm-hmm. these are uh, autonomous organizations. They're their own mm-hmm. organizations. That's so in other words, the Russian partner thinks they can help more or better the smaller by doing it that way. Smaller entrepreneur versus the larger entrepreneur in Montenegro. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Um, right, so many customers. Do you own so much in Ghana? We still have a little bit. Leadership, 18 branches, though, also. So it really was a, uh, a scale up mm-hmm. to be throughout the country. So we had 18 branches that really grew. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a stable economy, too. Ghana has one of the more stable economies in Africa. Mm-hmm. And so that's why it grew. Gotcha. Um, I believe I saw Nicaragua and Colombia are two of your bigger, bigger programs. Yeah, yeah, bigger uh, programs. Yeah. But it seems like the dollars per client is a lot smaller in those countries. Versus the region in Eastern Europe, or I thought within within Latin America, America, if I remember correctly. I suppose they should have. I, I, not I, with me. I think that uh, they're not that much different. I thought I thought maybe you were referring to uh, Eastern Europe or another part of the world, and that was going to be just economy. You know, their annual income may be a thousand dollars a year versus five thousand dollars a year or even more in Eastern Europe. I mean, I, I thought I was looking at magnitudes of you know two hundred dollars versus four six hundred dollars. Right. We talk about well, one versus two or three. Mexico is Our initial average loan is about two hundred bucks. Where in Nicaragua, it's probably closer to fifty or seventy dollars. In Colombia as well. So it is a different economy. Mexico is almost second world. Where in Nicaragua and Colombia, definitely is still no third world. Okay. So I think that's that's probably the only reason why. Gotcha. So you still are active in most of Eastern Europe? We are. We've been there since the early 90s, and uh, much, many of our programs have started because, because of USAID grants uh, after the fall. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what paid for my trip. Is that right? Yeah, what brought you over there? Uh, I worked with an organization at the time called the National Forum Foundation mm-hmm. in Washington, D.C., and it was... It, since been merged with an organization called Freedom House, and uh, I was recruited over the first time to help small and medium-sized business owners with their sales and marketing. So I traveled to 12 cities over 12 weeks, doing presentations, seminars, training individual companies on sales and marketing. They liked it so much, they invited me again the next year, and so I went to 10 cities over 10 weeks. All uh-huh. uh, It was interesting, too, because... Are you Polish, too, by the way? No, yeah. I had an evil step on it. Oh, okay. Um, you know, went to 10 cities over 10 weeks the next year, um, and didn't go to the other two, simply because they had hired full-time people helping with the mm-hmm. marketing anyway. So, and it was interesting, because I could see parts of Poland that people I was meeting had never seen before. You know, going to the southeast, in the Northwest, you know, people had never been down there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's just kind of fun to see that. And then I went back a third time just to teach at a business academy in Bielsko Biala. And so I got management and marketing there. So, you know, some total was probably seven months over a year and a half, two years, something like that. And it was a great experience. Good experience. Good experience. Good experience. And that was when again? It was 94, 95. Okay. Um, probably changed a lot of different things. Well, I'm sure it has, and, and in some ways I'd like to get back there. I did go back the end of 97, early 98, um, on my way to Sweden, and spent some time. Everything looked the same, 
but I gotta believe there's a lot that really changed functionally. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really wasn't there long enough to figure it out. I mean, and actually now, I would like to get back in touch with companies that I worked with then. You know, I have no idea if they remember me, but, sure, but yeah, um, yeah, I would be interested to hear what you say. After 10 years? Exactly. But what you left? You know, there were a couple times when I was talking to people, yeah, that can work. Sure. And that sure. gave you a little high. That's right. Sure, sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're still active in all of these countries? We, we are in Eastern Europe, although it's not a priority. Uh, we, we sure. see we're not focusing on funding. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really Africa and Asia and then Latin America. Because mm-hmm. okay. it's, it's just greater. Mm-hmm. It is, is, is really Eastern Europe whole lot of communism and into capitalism and free enterprise. They seem to be uh I mean a couple of these are EU members now. Yeah, exactly right. So um, yeah. But no. we're there. We're there. Although uh, they're they're pretty flat. They're not growing like like the rest of the world is so mm-hmm. okay. And um it did seem like you've gotten into China and Mexico kinda of late. Why not until the last year or two? <laughs> Um, it's, it's just been a long process. There, there have been hurdles along the way. China, for example, is an interesting country to work in, and it's a very different model than any of our other programs. We actually mm-hmm. have to establish a guarantee fund that would be used as collateral to then borrow money from a local communist bank mm-hmm. to be able to lend that money to the poor. Mm-hmm. And our capital is actually used for the technical services, the staffing, and so forth. But the actual funds, the borrowed funds, can become from the Communist Bank, which had to be guaranteed. Mm-hmm. So that's so, and, and it took us a long time to be able to even work that relationship out. And that has been a slow, growing program, too. Mm-hmm. Culturally, to borrow from someone other than your family is a, uh, a loose safe issue. And so you must be really desperate oh. and have to come to an opportunity in national China, you know, partner there. Mm-hmm. So it, it's been a real slow growth. I mean, it sounds like a cultural thing. It is a cultural issue in the face. Group lending. Group lending. Co-sign for someone that isn't related or that I don't know very well. It's just been really tough. It's been slow growth. Mexico, too, has been slower than what we had anticipated. We thought about Mexico four or five years ago, but the time just wasn't right. Couldn't find the right region, the leadership, all of these issues. But there are parts that we really want to be there and be successful and involved. Yeah, it's interesting, though, because your group lending policy, in a lot of ways, is in direct opposition to an American individualistic kind of mentality. But part of what it sounds like is in China, they have a super individualistic mentality as well, which I think it's kind of family if they come together and will buy things together and invest together. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think if you look at Chinese entrepreneurs here, you can see very strongly individualistic. Mm-hmm. But the communistic side kind of says they've got to be group oriented. From from communist point of view, yeah. Mm-hmm. It seems like there's a lot of communist pulling going on. Yeah, sounds like yeah. Um, so, but what we're doing is really capitalist. You know, in a communistic still society, although China is. Well, even though the political system is communistic, right. I think their economic system is it's much more. Yeah. You know, Chinese people are entrepreneurs. They just they're business people. Yeah. So you think yeah. we would fly? 
in a, in a shot, but it's going to be still slow down. You mentioned you've got partners in Australia, Canada, Germany, the UNA. Mm -hmm. What is the nature of that relationship? In other words, are they like subsidiaries? Are they they're, they're equal partners within the network, just as we are, just as the implementing partner organizations are as well. They are also autonomous organizations raising money that then they'll go into this network and out to the field. But they do a lot of their own marketing. We try and share best practices. We get together periodically and hopefully learn from each other. But we still are individual units. Okay, it sounds like all of you contribute to a single pool of money from which all of this money is lent out pretty much. There actually is a, and I just want to get too technical with these days, but there's a network umbrella organization. You have these five support partners, and then you've got these 42 implementing partner organizations, all overseen by this umbrella organization. Within, there are certain units, investment services, MIS, product development, that are then utilized now, and there's a board at this network level, which is uh, staffed or seated by members of both the implementing partner side and the support partner side. And this was developed back in 98. So we've got a network because OIUS was the one who was making all the decisions, program issues, funding issues, and, and some of these guys and some of these newer partners that were supplying layers that we want to have some space. So that's why that's why we created the network back in 98. Well, I'm curious because one thing that concerns me about international companies is their boards rarely reflect either their customer base, their supplier base. Which is really nice that we have it on both sides. We have the implementing side and the support side that are represented on the network board. Okay, so on your board, how much is OIUS and how much is... We have, two, we have two seats. We have two seats. Um, I, think it's, I think it's about 20 or something like that. So 10% of the board... I can verify that for you, though, if you want. Um, so, um, I, mean, I think this is an important issue because you know, everybody's talking about the, the shrinking world and those kinds of things, but if it's not reflected at the board level, there's still going to always be this insularity, right. country bias. That's right. You know, and we're raising 60% of the funds. So we, you know, you think, well, should we have 60% of the seats on that network board or, or at least 60% of the support side, right? Mm -hmm. But we actually, you know, have relinquished some of that. Uh, kind of magnanimous of you guys. Yeah, we, but we like to think so. But well, but it's just, if you truly want to be a global organization, your board should reflect right. that. I think so too. And, uh, you know, there's so few corporations. I can find out more about the board. You know, as, as we talk to, and, and just in conscientious of time, just by the mind, I want to do this right and do this well for this publication. I don't want to rush it. And I'm just wondering, there might be some other really neat feedback from some others within our organization to make this a little more even that much more attractive to the audience. I agree. I mean, my mm -hmm. one concern is if it is a three-parter, mm -hmm. that's going to put us to the 14th, the 21st, and December 28th. You know what, though? I don't think, I don't think, I appreciate what you're saying about year-end, but really how the, uh, the education or cultivation process works with us anyway, especially with our major donors, mm -hmm. it's not a one-time thing. It may be an initial, understand? 
a lot, some, some people don't give until 12 or 18 months after they learn that it's out in the international. They want well, like I said, I've been getting your mailing. Can I not yeah, yeah, So I mean, yeah. they kind of want an insight trip. They want to meet with leadership. They want to get to know. They want to drill a little deeper and figure out what this is all about. This, these are great questions that you're asking today. So I, I, I just want to make sure that we're doing this right to to have the most impact. And mm -hmm. so that uh, e prairie is going to be receptive to it as well. Well. Uh, I mean, let's finish it up, and then, you know, we'll see where we're at. Yeah. Um, I mean, because personally, um, I didn't contribute a column the week of Thanksgiving, and I didn't this week either. Okay. I don't know if I want to go three weeks without doing one, but if it makes the most sense to do that, I'm going to do that. I'm just going to that out there. No, and that's much appreciated. Um, how much you directed it? Yeah. Um, from a technology perspective. Did you guys localize the websites of your partners, or did they all create their own websites of their own? Right. Mm -hmm. Okay. And Adept uh, actually responded, international partners have been entrepreneurs when it comes to our website. Over the last few months, we've been talking with partners about consistent messaging working together to a greater degree. That's an issue. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, because again, you know, I looked at a couple of the different websites, and they didn't say drastically different things, but there are things that were a little different. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. that's an issue. Um, you mentioned 40% comes from your foreign partners. Yeah. Could you break that down on a country-by-country basis? You can. Yeah, I, 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 I just can't do that. I don't know what it would be. But again, I think it's safe to say that it's uh, a majority of the funds are government funds mm -hmm. from the British, Canadian, Australian, and, and uh, German government. Mm -hmm. Okay. But in other words, though, you can't necessarily say, you know, of that 40%, 20 the UK, 10 Germany, 5 Australia, 5 Well, uh, yeah, it's hard for me to even say that. Um, Deutschland is small, I know that much. And the other three, three may be about equal. Mm -hmm. <coughs> okay, it would surprise me if, if Germany is small. It's simply because they're slightly bigger than Australia, but Canada is getting newer. Uh, it's been okay. Yeah, Australia's been around for quite some time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the UK and then Canada most recently. And then mm -hmm. it's been virtually within the last few years. Uh -huh. Okay. Um, so there is one. And I also saw on one of those foreign sites mm -hmm. that there was a relationship with New Zealand. Right. It's called the Tier Fund, and they're an associate partner of the network. How is that different from the other ones? I, I, I just think that there are one of our founders. Uh, in Australia, and he has his own foundation called the Cheer Fund. And so there are, and he's a New Zealander, mm -hmm. there are certain projects that are opportunities associated that he'll release funds for. And so mm -hmm. that's why it's an associate partnership versus a full fledged support partnership. You pretty much the only associate partner? Do you have other associate partners? Yeah, I'm aware of associate partner. Now, um, you've mentioned the opportunity international. Is it Christian or British? Right. How important is the religious component? For most of the sites called the Spiritual Force, uh, we are a Christian organization. We are staffed by Christians uh, throughout the support partners and employment partners. Mm -hmm. But we don't discriminate as far as who we loan money to. We're in India. We're in Indonesia. There are many Muslim clients in Ghana. Mm -hmm. um, we were in Pakistan for many years. Mm -hmm. um, 
And so, again, it's not based on, uh, we're not an evangelical organization, we're, we're an ecumenical Christian organization. So we're mm-hmm. a very broad Christian organization. So it's really our motivation that, that I kind of I don't know if it makes any difference, but the publishers of Eden Prairie are Jewish. Oh, good. I don't know if it makes any difference. We have many Jewish stones, actually. Oh, okay, good. Six figures of Jewish stones. Okay. I don't know if that'd be important enough. Well, give me flack. I can use that to go back back at them. Where's Eden Prairie? Is it here now? Well, they're based in Chicago. Um, They got a mailing address on Irving Park Road. But I think their offices are really on Clyborne or Webster. So I'm not sure exactly why they're set up that way. But um, Brad Spears and Adam Sandelman are the two guys behind it. And they've been around for a while. I don't know if you subscribe to it. But um, yeah, there's another competitor there, the May Report, which is kind of like the Chicago Tech Tabler. And you wanted me to write for them, but it didn't make sense for you. No. Is, is he a president of publication? Well, it depends on how you look at it, simply because, um, as I mentioned earlier, ePrairie is more concerned about editorial integrity, and therefore they don't create nearly as much of their own content as they used to. They look for syndicated data sources, mm-hmm. and so, you know, they'll pull articles from the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, you know, St. Louis, that's right, you know, that kind of stuff. Pull all together. Exactly. Yeah. Um, you know, Ron May publishes any email that somebody sends to us. It doesn't proof things, you know, so you don't quite know if it's okay, okay, because Ron, Ron is out digging up local information. <coughs> These guys are uh, republishing stuff that's already out. So, you know, it kind of depends on what you're looking for and, and what kind yes, of source. Or is it, I'm sure there's some problems. the tech crowd. Yeah, right. Um, if you want the dirt, mm-hmm. you go to Ron. Mm-hmm. If you want real information, I go to ePrairie. But ePrairie does have a stable of eight to ten columnists, and for them, that's their lead content. Um, difference is, I use a Q&A format to go out and interview people. A lot of the others, I don't know if I should say they're necessarily opinion pieces, but they're more, you know, this is what I think, where the market's going. You know, if they're experts, they're right. But... Are they all experts? Maybe, maybe not. Or, you know, so, so. One other thing, too, our core values are uh, a commitment to the poor, respect, integrity, and stewardship. Is that important? I mean, that's really our core values. That's in the common thread in everything we do from top to bottom. Commitment to the poor, respect, mm-hmm. integrity, mm-hmm. and stewardship. Okay. Um, the more I think about this too, I just, I just, uh, I wonder if Doug Cosgrove, because of who he is, you know, a, a, a leader mm-hmm. in the technology community, mm-hmm. he loves us, he's done on Insight Trips, I mean, he, mm-hmm. he might, what do you think? I'm going to have to for that update. Interesting angle. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, do you have a contact information to be able to reach him well, I mean, you guys are putting in touch with me. Right, no, I know, but I didn't know. I didn't know what kind of relationship. I thought it made you just live in a passing with Doug. Maybe we sat down, talked, recorded it. Oh, good. Same thing. I mean, we're not good buddies. I would have hoped to have done some consulting or business with him, but 
even having great need for that. Okay. Unfortunately. He's a perfect guy. He's a great guy. I, I was glad to interview him. And it was a good interview. Good. Because what was interesting about him, he's got more partners internationally than he does domestically. And by paying attention to people in New Zealand and there's one other small country, I forget what it was, but he's generating good business there. And for him, New Zealand is as big as the UK. And I think that's interesting. That's a good story. And I mean, it's a success story in a lot of ways. And part of what I want to do is promote what good things local technology companies are doing internationally. And you know, fair enough. Um, I guess getting back to this. Um, I have no clue what this Bible for Managers thing is. Okay. It was on the website. And I just didn't know if there was a religious component to that or if it's just how to manage that. I don't know. I'll look at that too. Is the UK the only place you have a relationship with Amazon? Because it looks like you buy books and you click through that site and get a percentage from Amazon. Which could be a revenue generating yeah, thing. Could be. I'm not aware of that. I'm not aware of that either. And, and I have question marks by this with the Amazon thing too. Okay. Um, sounds like you do offer insight trips from here in the U.S. We do Canada. almost one a month that we're traveling around the world somewhere, taking our donors. They pay their own freight. Mm-hmm. And it's anywhere from a four-day to a seven-day trip to anywhere like that. Mm-hmm. And we'll spend two or three days in the field with our four clients, mm-hmm. witnessing the dynamics of this weekly trust bank meeting, mm-hmm. and to see their little businesses and to see how little they have, how appreciative they are for that little loan, and what it's meant to them, mm-hmm. and how pleased they are, uh, and full of joy that somebody believes in the dignity that they have. It's just it's not does gloat about it. You know, he said he took his daughters, and you know, his daughters said, why are we going there? Right, right. And, you know, well, well, they want to go back. Well, yeah. 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 um, I think that's inspiration. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. And is it leading insight trips that have taken you to the places you've been? Yeah. yeah. You were describing yeah. Uganda yeah. and those kind of things. Yeah. So it's a lot of group of, of travelers each trip. Mm-hmm. Anywhere from, you know, as small as five up to 13 or 14. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um... All right. I think we talk, well, MasterCard has a relationship with you guys in the UK? Yeah. I, I, don't, I don't know. We talk about it here in the U.S. Mostly individual, very small percentage corporate. Mm-hmm. Okay. We talk about operational, operational sustainability, too. Okay. Although, just so I understand mm-hmm. it correctly, partner organizations are generating essentially enough income to be self-sustaining yeah, so to off the bill basis, off the cost. That is yeah. exactly right. Okay. And there are some newer programs who are yet to be sustainable, mm-hmm. and some who are really making money. So again, aggregately, it's 110 percent operation. Mm-hmm. Okay. And the process of quarter right back is a whole long time. There's another other unique that the partner might have. Quite a new program. Gotcha. Talk about who's rooting down every hour. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, aside from donating, what's the best way for local technology folks to get involved with opportunities? They can become governors, mm-hmm. which is our uh, board of governors, a group of advocates or ambassadors for opportunity international. Doug Cockwell happens to be a board of governors. Okay. And they lead insight trips, they host receptions for internationals, 
In other words, internationals come here? They come through, they do periodically. Mm-hmm. Partners, partners, either the CEO, mm-hmm. the CEOs of the partners, or loan officers, or board members, mm-hmm. will actually come over and, and speak about what it's really like in that particular country, working mm-hmm. every day in the field. They'll bring a little bit of Africa or Latin America or Asia to our living rooms or to our board rooms or to our club. do that a lot. Mm-hmm. And then a, a, a board of governor or a significant donor has close is really kind of casting the net. So they're not one of the friends who say, this is something that's important to Kim and me. Mm-hmm. We thought it might resonate with you as well and so and so is coming too. We hope that you'll join the club for lunch or dinner for cocktails to hear more and more about. Cool. Yeah. So it was a really fun. Okay. And real eye opener. I like that. But I'm um, sure it's going on the city. Well, did you know? Yeah. yeah. Gotta be there. Well, and especially from a language perspective, just because, well, so I had to get all that kind of stuff. Part of what the school I went to funded very well about. Mm-hmm. Um, they have a tripartite curriculum. You know, the B school, there's the functional market accounting finance stuff. Then there's a third of the program devoted to regional studies. Mm-hmm. In other words, learning about Asia, Europe, Latin America, you know, mm-hmm. where your area of interest is. And then third is the language component. Mm-hmm. And each of them are relatively equal. Mm-hmm. And in a B school, that's kind of novel. Mm-hmm. Good, good. Uh, but for me, international. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. In Glendale, which is on the northwest side of Phoenix. Sure. I was on Major League Baseball, kind of a father's and he's from training out there, didn't I? Father's or Mariners, one of the two. I don't know if anybody does it in Glendale, per se. I think so. I thought so. When were you there? When was that? I was there in 8586. Maybe just after that then. Well, could be. I mean, I think they're talking about building a new stadium for the Cardinals north there. I don't know if it's Glendale, per se, but, you know, they've got the new ring highway, I think, around the city. It's right out there. Mm-hmm. What a good school. You appreciate it going there. In my mind, there's no international business school to compare in terms of the breadth and depth of the program. And I did a comparison in the column, just comparing Kellogg, GSD, DePaul, Loyola, Thunderbird, and University of South Carolina, which is the other pseudo competitor. Uh-huh. And for international business. Right. Yeah. Um, and the University of Chicago has a tremendous number of exchange programs even bigger than Thunderbird. Which is if you look at the course content, the professors, the alumni network, the student composition. I didn't make that comment, but I didn't think because I have heard of it, it's been brought up in conversation before, but I just I don't know a whole lot about it until today. Interestingly as well, they offer four concentrations international finance, international marketing, and do your own and international development. Oh really? I mean they are training people you know, to work in governmental organizations, yeah, sure. NGOs, mm-hmm. maybe mm-hmm. even nonprofits like yours. Okay. Mm-hmm. But, uh, I mean, it's interesting to me that they devote a specific major. Yeah, what was your major? I mean, I was a, a finance guy, okay. basically, but that was only because I'd worked in sales and marketing and wanted to round out my education yeah. and just kind of bored with all the finance. Yeah, but unfortunately, I got bored way too early on, and now I, I wish I would have stuck through some of the finance courses. The thing is, I've taught marketing, yeah. and all the marketing folks think you can avoid the numbers by getting into marketing. Yeah. But if you do marketing, you can't. No, I don't. Exactly. Well, we did. We're a finance, you know, we're a finance institution. Mm-hmm. And you could, you could do a little finance or dumb thing. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm just kind of a, I'm a sales and marketing 
promotion kind of guy. Mm-hmm. And, and I think I, I see the too much of one or the other, I think, can be counterproductive, kind of but I think it can be helpful in other aspects of life, too. No, I just understand the numbers a little better, so. Well, there's some people who are numbers each, so I don't have any appreciation for the other. No, I appreciate that. But I guess to finish these up, um, any other ways that you can think of that entrepreneurs can or should get involved with LI? Well, there's, we do have a, 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 there's probably volunteer opportunities as well um, mm-hmm. through our either Opportunity U.S. Mm-hmm. or, um, you know, there's all kinds of volunteer opportunities. Volunteer opportunities to, to lend us your expertise to help mm-hmm. us solve our technological problems globally or here mm-hmm. locally. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have, you know, the MIS division within the network. I'm sure there's opportunities mm-hmm. where if someone was interested and had the time that they could work with some of the people in our management information services area and be able to go in and, and, and find out where they might be able to plug in. So, mm-hmm. okay. Good. It's kind of broad and not very specific. It's a wicked opportunity. Yeah, we'll see if you were now, I guess it is kind of a loaded question. Why should local entrepreneurs support Opportunity International? And I guess from their perspective as well as your perspective. Sure, sure. <laughs> I think our world is getting smaller and smaller mm-hmm. day by day. And I really believe that um, we are very insular here in the United States. And I think that we need to um, realize that we can make a difference around the world that ultimately affects us here in the U.S. Mm-hmm. We, we truly believe that if you empower someone and give them a job or enhance their business so that they have a livelihood, that they're going to be less susceptible to crackpot, ill-directed leaders who are, you know, encouraging them to stress dynamite for themselves. Mm-hmm. I, I really think that by empowering people economically, politically, socially, spiritually, mm-hmm. that they will be better people mm-hmm. and that they will be productive. Mm-hmm. And I think it will, uh, I think it helps stabilize local communities. Mm-hmm. Villages and even entire countries, mm-hmm. which affect our livelihood and our lifestyles in the United States. So I think we are, I think we're a part of the solution to world poverty. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a business solution as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that uh, entrepreneurs would be interested in other entrepreneurs. And within the mm-hmm. Okay. And I guess on a personal basis, how did you get into this? Did you study any foreign languages? Right. And how did your education prepare you for this? Right. I, I studied at Southern Illinois University. Mm-hmm. I was a regular TV guy. I was on a <laughs> I did voiceover work. Mm-hmm. I did that for nine years, but then realized that I 
probably wasn't good enough to be successful and also wasn't willing to make the sacrifices to be really successful in that business. Mm-hmm. And so I ended up in sports marketing and all things. Mm-hmm. I worked for the Oklahoma Bay baseball team for nine years and then made the soccer for nine, excuse me, for three, and then most recently with uh, the Bears and Broncos three, I think I think the bio, I had a little bit on that. Yeah. But it was really um, about um, five years ago where I really felt a call in my heart, something more significant. Mm-hmm. And so while I was uh, um, still at Infinity, uh, working in, uh, in radio sports in Chicago, I was sitting in meetings on the side just meeting with people as, as to where they saw someone like me ending up with my skill set. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I, I'm it's like I stopped one to someone who said, have you ever heard of Opportunity International? I said, no. He said, well, it's my better friend. I said, what is that? He said, well, here's what it is. Here's the guy to talk to who I know who has some information that he can provide for you. And when I read, it really resonated with my heart. For whatever reason, um, I thought as a, as a, not a hand out, but a hand up, um, that it was providing a way for the poor to live themselves out of poverty. Mm-hmm. Um, and to top it all off, there was a, a job opening. And I read the whole thing, and it was humble to read the loan. I said, I keep you doing this. And I saw that paid about half what I was making for it. And wrestled with that. And, and, and it was my wife who just said, you know what? I, I, I could see us doing this, and I think it'll be on a line that piece about this. And that's 48 years ago. And fantastic. And one can and what I did in sports, and when I was in uh, marketing and sales and sports, I really was introducing educating and hopefully inspiring people to either buy tickets or to uh, advertise with us. I'm doing much the same here. And it's introducing, educating, and hopefully inspiring people to be a part of Opportunity National. And so I I go out and I have a a stable of about 75 donors, major gift donors. I supervise four others. I'm involved with the marketing and Planning for the organization and enjoy it. It's uh, gratifying every day. Oh, I bet. I mean, it's inspirational. It really is. I don't think you're going to get that. I bet you're a part of it. You know, in my own small way. I really enjoy the the, the relationships that I have with my donors. Sure. That I feel we're going kind of a conduit between the, the wealthy here in the U.S. who've been blessed with a lot. We have incredible resources of their talents and their their, their income, mm-hmm. and hopefully inspiring them to show them how they don't realize how what they can how what they have can be translated to transform lives, thousands and thousands of people. If you look at these people, so we'd be devil's advocate, but we do have poverty here in the U.S. too. Is there a role for Opportunity International? In the U.S., we've actually tried it a couple of times here, mm-hmm. back in the 1980s, in mm-hmm. the city, mm-hmm. and it's just the, 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 the amount of money that it takes, mm-hmm. the uh, government bureaucracy, licensing, and so forth, it's hard to open up your own shop mm-hmm. on your front porch, like we do in, in much of the developing world. Mm-hmm. The welfare mentality here in the United States. The safety nets that are here, the routine the races wasn't very good. It's just, hmm. we tried it and it just didn't work. We feel like there's, there's such a need. There's no comparison though. 
poverty here in the United States in terms of poverty. Poverty is around the world. We feel called to serve internationally as opposed to here. There's, there's a lot of great organizations that are that are serving the needs in the United States. That's just not our role. We gave it a couple of shots and realized that's really not what we're called to be. Okay, but interestingly, from an international perspective, I think it says something that it's easier and in some ways better for you to do business other than in the United States mm-hmm. as opposed to right here in the United States. Because I think a lot of the things you're talking about are things that entrepreneurs confront and just kind of think, you know, if I were someplace else, I wouldn't have to deal with these problems. Maybe. Yeah. And, and with, with, you know, with the amount of money that we have and we're hoping to grow them over time, we have, we have a grand goal. Mm-hmm. And right now we're serving almost 600,000 active clients today. Mm-hmm. We'll be serving a million by 2007 mm-hmm. and 2 million by 2010. Now those are annual active mm-hmm. clients. Looking out 25 years from now, mm-hmm. with an annual growth rate of 15% over the next mm-hmm. 10 years, mm-hmm. And then 12% over the next. But cumulatively, Michael, we'll be serving, we'll have served 50 million borrowers. Mm-hmm. This is you strictly opportunity international, not your whole industry. Find six dependents. It's 300 million people that will have impacted. Which is 10 percent of those three billion. Mm-hmm. Well, here's growth rate. Sorry, 20 percent for 10 years, and we're currently at about a 23 or 24 percent growth rate. Mm-hmm. You can have that. Thank you. So we do have big dreams, but but they're 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 reachable. Again, entrepreneurial. You know, you've got a plan and a means to achieve it. Mm-hmm. We think so. That's all I think. So I've probably overtaking my time. Okay. I just want to make sure that I want to go over these and see what else I need to get back to you. Um, over time, the hedging currency. And I, I don't know if I need a response to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, the insurance product quarterly may be of interest. I may be able to get that to you electronically. And mm-hmm. your email, too, by the way. It seems to be a slower setup. Is there really? a reason for that? What you, it's weird. This morning when I was emailing the black fan, yeah. it was taking me a long time to send out messages. Okay. And I don't know why that for is. For whatever reason, I get like the load bar, which, you know, shows that yours is loading up right the other ones are just like that. So I don't know what it is on your end. And also, I get these little, these little arrows. Oh, 